I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place because I can just feel the tangibleness of just how worthy, how worthy God is, how worthy He is. And I want to honor Him and I want to love Him the way I know He would love every single one of you. But I also want to say this. If you're sitting casually watching this with a bowl of cereal in your pajamas, then put down your cereal and pay attention because he's worthy. He's not a casual, just little view. And if you want to pop in on this view too, then I don't want you to be casual either. But I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and what he wants to do in and through your and my life this morning. Yesterday, I was, as I was praying yesterday morning, I felt the Lord just say this, and I'm going to say it carefully and slowly. Babylon took Israel captive before, and all the temple gold and silver was taken and put in the Babylon treasury, and the consecrated items used were now used in the court's of Babylon is it happening again Babylon took Israel captive before and all the gold and silver were taken and put in the treasury of Babylon and all the consecrated items that God had designated for his temple were now used in the courts of Babylon. Friends, Babylon is no longer a city or a region. Babylon is now the world's system and order. And Israel is no longer a nation of ethnicity. It's now the people of God. It's the church. If you can read it, if you want, in Jeremiah 52. It's an amazing God. Would allow such an amazing temple, so beautiful. He would allow Babylon to come and literally destroy and take all the gold and the silver and put it in Babylon's treasury. And all the consecrated items made of bronze were now used in the courts. I want to say you and I have been consecrated unto the Lord as His temple for His purposes. And we have been sanctified, which means set apart for His purposes. And the gold and the silver that he has placed in our hands. Everything that we have been bestowed from above by the Lord has been given for his purposes. The church must never be taken captive by Babylon. And its silver and gold must never be used. In the treasury of Babylon. 
And the people of God that have been consecrated and set apart must never have their purposes changed and used in this world for other purposes. Friends, God is calling at this hour. He's established our hearts because He is worthy. He alone is worthy. And our lives are consecrated and set apart for His plans and His purposes. On our watch, friends, may it not be so that Babylon ever has a voice in our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I have been stuck in John the Baptist's life for a while, just, and I don't know why fully. But I do understand this, that John the Baptist consecrated himself for the purposes of God. And one of the ways that he did that was he had to set himself apart from the appetites of the world. He had to wean himself off the appetites of the world. He wandered around in the wilderness with sheep's clothing and, and camel's hair. And he, he ate of locusts and honey. And I'm not calling... And saying we should form a, a club that dresses in camel's hair and eats locusts and honey. What I am saying is that he set himself apart from this world. Because he was consecrated for the purposes of God. And in Luke chapter 3, it's an amazing chapter. I love the details of the Bible. And in Luke chapter 3, it says this. It says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar... Man, you can't get more defined than that. It goes on to say Pontius Pilate. We know that Tiberius Caesar was in power. We know that Pontius Pilate was the governor. We know that Herod was the tetrarch. It gives you such detail. But it says this, and says, The word of the Lord came to John the Baptist. I think it's verse 2 or verse 3. And John the Baptist launched out and began to do what God had called him to do. And he was a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. I feel like right now the church has been called to be a voice, crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord to come and return again. And friends, the only way you can be a voice at this time is if you separate and consecrate yourself apart. And start weaning yourself off the appetites of this world. Because otherwise you will just be an echo of all the other voices that are going on right now in the world. And friends, there's not many voices right now that I can honestly say are crying out in preparation for the coming of Jesus. I'm so stirred up and reminded of, the, um, of Gideon in, uh, in Judges 7. I love Gideon because we, we misunderstand Gideon. You know, Gideon was hiding. Gideon was pretty scared. And the Lord had to come and encourage him and say, Gideon, you know, woohoo, mighty, mighty man, come, come on. And then it goes on just to how Gideon was stirred up now. 
And, uh, and then he says, right, okay, we've got this army that's facing us. They were huge. The Midianites were, it was a massive army. And, and others had gathered with them, the Malachites and all kinds of kites and arts. And, um, and they're all together now. And, 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 and Gideon gets his army together, 32,000. And then it says now, okay, the Lord speaks and says, anybody who's scared can go home. 22,000 go home. Ooh, okay, thank you, Lord. I've got 10,000 warriors yeah. And then God says, okay, now I need to test them. And he to bring them down to the water. They come down to the water. And then he says, okay, those that um, go down and drink from the water, um, set them this side. And those that lift the water up and lap and looking around, they're aware. They're alert. They're aware of what their surroundings and what's going on. Um, you know, put them to one side. And they're, they're 300. And the other guys are 9,700. And he says, okay, they can go home. I'm left with 300. I want to encourage every single one of you here today, and I want to encourage everybody that's listening right now, that often when we, when we use that story, we, we, we say that God can use a small number because He's the majority and His power, and it doesn't matter the number. And I love that, and, and I want to honor that, and I want to say that's great. But I also want to just emphasize something else this morning. I want to say that those 300 were alert and aware, and God didn't want to use the other 31,700 uh, that weren't alert and ready, that weren't aware of their surroundings and the times they were living in and what they were needing to do. And I'm saying God is choosing people right now that are aware, alert, and know what to do, friends. Um, because I want to also just encourage you with this. It's a fascinating story because what always encourages me is that God speaks to Gideon and says, all right, now you're going to go against these guys now. And then he says, um, but if you're still feeling a little bit scared. So here we've got Gideon, mighty man. He's gone through all this process. Now he's getting all his warriors together, whatever. He's still scared. Because God says, if you're scared, why don't you take Perul, I think his name is, the ser your servant. Why don't you sneak down to the enemy's camp, have a look at the enemy, and just uh, it will encourage you, what you when you hear so he goes down there, and he's listening, and this guy says, oh, you know what I had? I had a, a, a dream, whatever, of a barley loaf of bread came rolling into the camp, and it went, landed on this tent and squashed the tent flat. Now, is that arbitrary kind of, kind of weird little vision? And then what's amazing is a guy pops up and says, yes, that's none other than Gideon. Huh? It's a barley loaf that rolled into the camp and, and, and hit the tent. What has that got to do with Gideon? But it says, no, that's none other than Gideon. And we have been given into his hands. The Midianites have been given into his hands. And it stirred up his heart. I mean, it's so arbitrary it's that a guy would stand up and say that, wow. It's just, that's just the power of God. And then Gideon uh, is, gets so stirred up, he says, right, okay, we're going to go against them. But what I love is that the 300 men, he calls them and he tells them, put your, your torch in a pitcher and grab your trumpets. And then when we all blow the trumpet, you blow the trumpet and you hit the, you hit the pitcher, you smash the pitcher. Now, sorry, but these are trained warriors who God has handpicked and selected. Um, and he has made sure he selected really good ones. He's gone through and tested them, the way they drank the water and all of that. And so, yeah, he's tested them, but all they've got to do is blow a trumpet and smash a pitcher. You see, friends, it's always been about the heart. See, it's always about you and I positioning ourselves right for God, our hearts being right before Him. When we position our hearts right before Him, He will do the victory. Because it will not be about you, it will always be about God. 
And so the trumpets blow, everyone, and everyone smashes the pitchers or whatever, and they, and they fall on each other. And, uh, and, and we know, and there's a, wrought a huge victory of, I mean, of proportions that were unbelievable. And you can go and study that. But I, I just, I feel like the Lord is stirring up every single one of our hearts. And I want to encourage you, and I also want to challenge you this morning and say, I feel like right now that God is just, just, Releasing on the church his worthiness. He is so, so worthy that he is worth it all. And that he is asking you right now to give your all. Your life was never yours in the first place to give. It was always his. And friends, that which he's entrusted to you, you can never, ever lose. Amen. You know, in John 14, 19, just a quick thing, it says, Jesus said, as I live, so you will live. God, when Jesus came onto this earth, began to model and shape for us a life, the true life that needs to be lived. And we need to come back to that place, friends, of what is actually true life. If we have been like Demas and we've fallen in love with this present world, friends, if we've felt that life revolves around comfort and about uh, things and about um, enjoyment and convenience, friends, I, I think it was about a few days ago, I can't remember, um, Jane will be able to correct me, but I came through the one morning and I just said, God just told me this is a time of inconvenience. And that you and I are going to be inconvenienced. We're going to get broken out of our nice little comfort zones because God is in need of you and He's in need of your donkey. And you have to have your donkey ready for, to untie it when God calls. And everybody else had donkeys too, but that, He went to that house, to that place for that donkey. And right now He might be calling your donkey. And you might have been born for such a time as this to bring yourself to that place where you have a donkey that God has need of, that Jesus can ride in on, that He can be released into that which you're doing. Friends, you might have 100,000 rand right now, which you've been saving up for your swimming pool. And God might say, I want you to untie that donkey now, and I want you to give me that 100,000 rand. Because let me just encourage you with this. It's always just smokes and mirrors the way the world works, friends. Because you can take that 100,000 and you can build a swimming pool. But I promise you right now that you will swim in it three months of the year. The rest of the time it will be too cold. And you'll spend an absolute fortune trying to keep it clear. And you'll also spend a lot of your time sweeping and cleaning and trying to sort it out. And it will become a distraction. And it will take you away from the things of God. Am I against swimming and swimming pools? No. If God tells you to build a swimming pool, build a swimming pool. And I want you to enjoy the swimming pool. I'm just saying right now, friends, that we've got to... Understand that our lives are not our own. They've been bought with a price. And right now, God is calling us, and He's wanting us to release that which we have in our hands for His kingdom and for His purposes, friends. Because just maybe, friends, we've just begun to put all our, our gold and silver into Babylon's treasury. Friends, at the end of the day, when we read the Bible, Babylon's going to burn. Don't put your silver and gold into Babylon. Friends, don't get tied up in this temporal world and the little temporal moments and convenience and temporal little enjoyment in the, in the place of eternity for our lives. Oh, Lord, help me. Whew. 
Um, I, I just want to encourage everybody online. I, I, want, I, want to, I want to encourage you that do not get comfortable and do not let it even settle on your mind or your heart that that is what God's will for your life is. Because we know Hebrews 10, I was sharing with Damien, Hebrews 10, 25 talks about do not forsake the gathering together. Uh, as some are unaccustomed to do in these days, but even more so, even as the day draws near, friends, we're called to stir one another up to love and good deeds, but we are called to gather together, friends, because that's how we grow, that's how we develop, that's how we uh, stir one another up and, and, and into what God's called us to. And when I was, uh, um, just this morning, I woke up with uh, Luke 18, verse 8, which is actually a beautiful scripture, and it's, it's talking about Jesus when he says, and when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Isn't it a crazy, amazing, weird statement for Jesus to make? It's like, will you find faith? I mean, we are the people of faith, aren't we? We, we are called to walk by faith, right? So will I find faith? And it's always stirred in my heart. And I've always been, Lord, that's a strange thing, will you find faith? And it comes just after that beautiful little parable um, where you've got the unrighteous. Um, can someone bring me some water because I feel like I'm spitting badly here. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You know, you've got the unrighteous judge, and, uh, and he doesn't care about God, doesn't care about man, and he doesn't care about anybody, but you've got the widow who's coming in there just crying out for justice, and he's like, not because he cares about anything, but because she's nagging, and he goes, okay, because she's nagging, I'm going to give it. And then God says, listen, am I not, you know, more than that? And uh, will I not respond and bring justice uh, quickly? But then Jesus says, but will I find faith? And I was stirred up my heart, and I said, you know what? We, the truth is that, um, we're always going to find naggers. Even in the kingdom of God, you're always going to find naggers who are nagging. But Jesus is looking for people of faith. And then when I was stirred up with that, and I began to realize the times that we're living in, because as I shared last week, just very quickly before Connor ministered such a powerful word, and I encourage you to, to listen to that if you haven't listened to it. But I was just stirred up, and I just shared, when I opened the meeting last week, I said 1 Chronicles uh, 12, verse 32, which talks about the sons of Issachar, and that they know the seasons and the times, and they also know what to do. And I was realizing, oh, what to do in the times and the seasons. And the times that we're living in, I've been so challenged by that we are seeing in these times, friends, that we are never, ever offline. We are constantly online. We now have watches. We have phones that are constantly online and that are constantly beeping and telling us we've got messages and this and that. And then we now have watches that tell us that our phones and what our phones. And we now have watches that tell us everything. They even tell us how much oxygen we've got. Um, and how many steps we've taken, and whether we fit or not fit. And so our phones tell me everything. Forget about what the Word of God says. Just my phone tells me everything. So I, and now I'm always online. I'm always getting bombarded. I've always got everyone's opinion. I don't have to worry. Well, let me, let me uh, bring this uh, to a, a, a quick little story, and hopefully it, it tells the picture. So let's take ourselves back a little bit. And I'm not knocking uh, technology. I'm just saying technology, friends, is powerful. And God uses technology and he gave us technology. It's an evil heart that can uh, twist and, and, and manipulate uh, good technology. And that's what's happening at the moment with technology. But let me tell you the story. So now all of a sudden I'm in my home and what have you. And, um, and uh, Susie gets really ill. And so I get on my horse and off I go. And I go riding off to the nearest farm. And I go riding for two days. No, not to the nearest farm. Let's make it to the nearest church. So I go riding off to the nearest church to tell them that Susie is sick and they need, can, you, can they stand and pray for her. So 
Then the church begins to stand and begins to pray. The church does not have phones. It does not have any communication. It's standing there. What does it have, friends? All it has is faith. So it stands there in faith now, begins to pray and begins to declare and begins to speak. They can't communicate. They can't. They're just praying and they're believing God. And then the guy comes riding back on his horse, whatever, to tell them that Susie's been healed. Okay. Now we have the church, whatever, and we are online all the time, never offline. So now all of a sudden we're online or whatever, and now Susie is sick, and we go, yes, okay, we're going to start praying for Susie, whatever, and my phone's beeping, beep, 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 and we're going, yes, I Googled, and uh, does she have droplets on her forehead? Well, droplets on her forehead could mean that she has uh, got um, a very bad sweaty problem, or it could mean that she's... Um, she's got a fever or what have you. Oh, that's very good. And then now the beeps, and now there's a whole lot of stuff now telling me about this and about that, whatever. And now I've got 40,000 opinions. I don't need faith. I've just got 40,000 opinions telling me everything. Everybody has got an opinion, friends. And Jesus is trying to get our attention. You see, friends, you can hold an opinion, and opinions change all the time, but convictions hold you. Friends, we have got to go offline and spend some time with a living God and the living Word and begin to meditate and allow the living Word to come and to establish itself in our lives. Friends, the reality is there's so much bombardment with social media at the moment. There's so much control by big tech. Uh, there's so much uh, censorship, so much stuff going on. And people arguing and going on and a whole bunch of stuff trying to stop opinions. Friends, when you're always going to have opinions. The whole point that Jesus wants you is not to try and stop opinions. What Jesus wants you to do is stop listening to opinions. And start reading the Word. And allowing your imagination, the sanctified godly imagination, to take and begin to dream, begin to believe, begin to hope, begin to be stirred up, friends. That's why, friends, when we, with our, our, the kids of today, friends, the problem with the kids of today is they spend most of their life seeing and not reading. And when seeing, friends, it can seduce your imagination. But reading stimulates your imagination. The reality is, friends, we sit on our phones, and when we're looking at our phones, all the stuff that's going on, friends, woo, we're so involved in all of this. In fact, um, I've got a 14-year-old daughter who, um, she's involved in whatever, I couldn't even tell you, whatever the different apps are and the, and the stuff that she looks at, but she will tell me about this family. I've never heard of them, don't know where they are, they're on the other side of the world, and she's involved, and that family is just giving their whole life on the phone, and it's all interesting, friends. The problem, friends, the danger is that we can be so involved in that family that we can miss out on our own life and our own family. Friends, and we can be so involved that we care more about what a family 1,000 miles away think about us than what my own spouse or my own family think about me. 
Friends, and the reality is we kind of go, this is reality. This is what this family. The truth is, friends, that's not reality. What that family, to stay and to get the hits and the views that they are getting, friends, they have to do what makes people view, what makes people come, and, and what makes people interested. So they're just doing what makes. Not, they're not, it's not real life, friends. We've got to do real life together, grab hold of one another. That's why gathering together, friends, is not a possibility. It's not a might. It's not a nice thing that the church may do. It will be what we will do as the church of Jesus Christ. We will gather in each other's homes. We will gather, friends, to do what God's called us to do because we will stir one another up because the Word of God calls us to do that, and we need to believe the truth. Allow the truth to take root and let the truth set us free, friends, from whatever the enemy is trying to captivate us with. Amen. So now I haven't even got to what I really wanted to share, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use three quick scriptures, uh, pull it all together, hopefully, and land. So if you can turn with me, if you've got your Bibles or your um, phones or whatever else, and just quickly, if you can go with me to John 13. John chapter 13, just quickly, John chapter 13, it's a beautiful uh, portion of Scripture. Um, we'll just read, where can I read from? Um, let's read from verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and, and that He had come from God and was going back to God. I just love this. I could sit on that and I could just meditate on that my whole life. Just listen to that, that Jesus, knowing that he had come from the Father, and the Father had given him all things. He has everything in his hands. He's come from God. He's going back to God. He rose up from supper, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Come on, that is God to stir up the church. Stir up the church for the reality, understanding we came like Christ, as he is, so are we. Uh, as he has been sent, so we've been sent, friends. We came to serve. To get out of our convenience, friends, it's not about us. It's not about nice comfort zones and all about everything all nicely in its place so I can have my nice life. And no, friends, we came to serve. It's inconvenient. It's not nice, friends. It's not the most beautiful thing to get down on your knees and begin to wash somebody's feet. But Jesus, our Lord and Savior, did it. Um, but let me just carry on very quickly. And it says, he rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel tied around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Uh, um, he says, uh, jumping to verse 7, Jesus answered him, What am I doing you don't understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Remember that. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. That's classic Peter. Um, hey, listen, you know, hey, baby, if you're going to jump in, let's just do the whole thing, boy. I'm in. Uh, and then Jesus says this, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. Who wa that was why he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus says, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Now hold that thought just with Peter that he said, you're already clean because you've been made clean, but you, I need to wash your hands and your feet. If you think back to the temple and you think back to how the temple was situated, and just very quickly, you've got the temple 
um, outskirts here. You've got the temple gate. You come through the temple gate. The first thing that you hit is the bronze altar, which is where the sacrifices, animals, animals were killed. That's why the sacrifice was made. And then from there, you carry on and you smack straight into the bronze laver, right? Which was all the mirrors of, of, from all the, the ladies that gathered from Egypt, and uh, they were smashed and put into this huge basin, and it was filled with water. And what happened is the priests used to wash their hands and their feet before they went into the temple. What's very interesting, too, just to note, note this, is that everything outside the holy um, place of the Holy of Holies was bronze. Everything inside was gold, right? And what's beautiful, everything inside was wood overlaid overladen with gold. You and I are wood overladen with gold. May we never forget that, that it's the treasure of God inside that He has given every single one of us. But here you've got the bronze, uh, and bronze in the Bible, by the way, simplifies um, human nature. Um, that's why it's beautiful in, the, in, the, in Numbers 21, um, when uh, Jesus, when they lift up the pole of the bronze serpent, uh, that was an illustration of Christ and His humanity, but as they looked to Christ, um, so they were all healed, right? Beautiful picture. But anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. So you come to the, to the bronze altar where, where sacrifice is made for sin and atonement is made. But then sacrifice is made for sin, atonement is made. But you go on to the, to the bronze laver where you wash your hands and your feet. So Peter, you have bathed, but I need to wash your feet, right? Catch this. Then quickly go to Ephesians uh, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, one of the most beautiful and powerful scriptures, which relates to uh, marriage and relates to a husband and a wife. Um, and so beautiful in verse, uh, let's read from verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. He has a beautiful picture. It's a picture that he's starting off with. He's talking about husbands and wives, and he moves from husbands and, wife and wives into Jesus and the church, um, that there's a washing of the Word that sanctifies us. See, in the washing of the Word, what happens with what sanctification? The Bible talks about that we have been sanctified, we are being sanctified, and we will be sanctified. The process, when we, once you get born again, is a process of sanctification. Romans 12, and verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It goes on to say, do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of the mind, so that you can test what is the acceptable, perfect, uh, beautiful will of God. So what... What he's trying to establish and explain here is, friends, is that Christ came and died for us and conquered sin uh, on the cross, and we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. And when we stand before God one day, when we stand before Him, we're not going to even bring up anything about our works or anything that we've done. All we're going to say is the name of Jesus. Why would God want to allow me into His heaven? Because Jesus died and paid the price for my life. He is our Redeemer, friends. Forever He liveth to intercede on our behalf in heaven, friends. And we acknowledge Him and He is everything, friends. But if I am to be sanctified, sanctified means to be set apart for a purpose or a plan, friends. If I'm to be sanctified, I have to allow the washing of the Word to sanctify me. That's to set me apart and keep me in the purpose that God's called me to. So Peter can be born again, friends, but Jesus came and said, I've got to wash, I'm going to wash your feet. Why? Because why is 
feet and hands symbolic here. Feet and hands are symbolic. Even as they come in and Jesus is the sacrifice on the bronze altar, friends, you still have to go to the labor to enter into the presence of the Lord because we walk, friends, in this life and things get on our feet and we go about life and touch a whole bunch of stuff and it gets on our hands and we need the washing of the word to wash off that which has tried to take hold on our hands and on our feet, friends. And the Word of God now, as it speaks to us, friends, in the times that we're living in right now, friends, as we are so online, we are so consumed, so full of opinions and things, friends, that are consuming our life, taking our time away from us, friends, when God is wanting us right now, because all of that stuff, friends, is contaminating your hands and contaminating your feet. And it doesn't even have to be your, you, that were. Uh, at fault in the thing. Friends, we go through life. I could tell you so many stories. I'll tell you one very quickly because it jumps to mind. Friends, I was, I'm very passionate about soccer, love soccer. Um, uh, was playing top uh, uh, soccer and we were, uh, went on, on a quick tour to uh, Sun City. We went to Sun City as a team, friends. When I was at Sun City uh, with all these guys, whatever, I don't know why, I didn't think of it. But anyway, at Sun City, they said, let's go watch a movie. We went to go watch a movie. I sat down in the movie. The movie started, friends, and it was a pornographic movie. In those days, in, in Sun City, they were allowed to show those kind of things. And, uh, and this pornographic movie, and a whole bunch of us stood up and went out, friends. But the reality was, friends, not by choice of mine, not because I wanted to, friends, I still got a few Graphic pictures that came my way, friends. I need to go back to the Word and allow the washing of the Word just to take those things away, friends. Even though it wasn't my fault, it doesn't matter. I live in a world, friends, where things are coming, friends. There are so many people with so many opinions that if we don't have the Word, friends, slowly and subtly they become convictions in our lives. Friends, my Bible tells me in Revelations that it's very clear as to what the journey is going to be of the church. And there's seven letters to the church which explain. And in those seven letters, there's four things that you see there. First of all, you see persecution. That's the problem, a big problem. Then there's also false teaching, friends. And then there's also this seducing of mammon and, and material, the allure of material possessions. And then there's also, friends, the complacency with ungodly, pagan, idol worship that was going on in the day. Those are the four challenges that are facing the church, friends. And as those four challenges are facing the church, and we've got to walk through those things, friends, there's a beautiful picture of, uh, that we can see clearly. Friends, there's the beast, which is the persecution, and which we know is the devil. And we also see the false prophet. And then we also see the prostitute, Babylon. Friends, I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you this morning. I'm saying don't let Babylon cause you to prostitute yourself when God has paid a price for your life and he is asking you right now and calling you. And friends, if you're sitting there and you're online all the time and listening to this and constantly being distracted and listening to every single thing, friends, instead of spending time alone with God, because right now it's about hearing his voice, friends. Right now, it's about relationship with Him. Right now, it's just about doing what He's called you to do. Friends, if you don't spend time with Him, if you don't spend time in the Word and allow the Word to wash over you, friends, you will begin to be uh, deceived, friends. You will begin to suddenly, friends, what happens uh, in Revelations is we see that the, the culture, friends, suddenly it's more important about pleasing the culture. 
Suddenly now in the world that we live in, it's more important about pleasing the culture than it is about pleasing God. Suddenly, actually, God's voice is not as loud as it should be. Suddenly, God would never ask me to sell my house and give it to the kingdom. Suddenly, God would never say, you go to this place or this country. It's all because, friends, we have not allowed the Word to continually wash over us, to wash off all the things that want to stick to our lives. I am stirring up your hearts this morning. I am encouraging you. I am actually pleading with you. I am saying, friends, He is worthy. He is so worthy. He deserves our all. Let's not be a people that are so blase and so casual. Do you know, I'll just say this anyway because now it comes to mind. You know, when we started 24-7 Church, God gave us the name and I called it 24-7 Christian Church. I got so much attack and mockery and teasing over the word Christian. <laughs> Why you put Christian in your word? It's the church, you know, 24-7 Church. And over the years, we just kind of don't, nobody really says the word Christian. But I want to encourage you right now that that word is going to become absolutely vital because there are many churches in the world today. And I'm not just talking about a Buddhist church or a, or a Muslim church. Or a, I'm talking about churches of people that profess or say that they know Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you right now that there's one church that Jesus is building. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. Friends, and I'm saying that church is a, made up of a bunch of believers who are Christian Christ-like, who have given their lives to Jesus, who everything is His, and they've given their yielded yes to whatever God speaks and says, friends. Because right now, I think we've, God is shaking us to get out of our comfort zones, to get out of our old way of thinking, to get out of that, uh, I'm trying to plan. Stop planning for your retirement and plan for the coming of Jesus Christ. Friends, stop planning for your holiday and plan for the trip and the mission trip into uh, the, the places where God has not been able to get to, friends. Start trusting God that He starts to break into your life and He breaks us out of the mediocrity and He breaks us into the place that we were created and purposed to, to do, friends. Friends, every single one of us are vessels in God. Oh. I'm we won't get to these, but um, I'll just drop out three scriptures and I'm landing. <laughs> I've been landing a long time now, so I'll just, I'll just land. I better land. If you want to go and just study these three scriptures, um, I, I just want to give it to you very quickly. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, it says, examine yourself. It's a picture there of a bunch of people um, that have been not really uh, portraying the life uh, of a Christian. And, uh, and Paul is writing there to the Corinthians, and he says, examine yourself. And he's saying uh, there to them that if over a period of time you look at your life and you can't see Christ in your life, and there's no fruit, and you're not seeing, then examine yourself and test yourself if you actually are born again. 
And if that's you, then I'm saying that to you. But I'm saying this so the scripture is not challenging us to constantly be examining ourselves. Am I born again? Am I not born again? No, because we have to believe and trust that if we've given our lives to Jesus, that we are born again. And then we have to know if we're born again, our identity, because our identity is vital. Because from your identity will flow your actions. So we need to know that. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, if at the end of the day, friends, if your life has not been consecrated and set apart for God, if I'm not seeing any fruit, friends, if you're not actually challenged and burning inside of yourself with a holy anger right now that you're being stopped from gathering, then ask yourself the question inside of your heart. Just say we should be challenged inside of us now. And not as a rebellion, but just challenged that because we love gathering together. And we want to gather together, and this is not. So it's up, we up our game of prayer and trusting the Lord and, and seeking His face. And then uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 10, I just want to read verse 10 very quickly. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, such a beautiful scripture. It's talking about our faith, and it says you must add to your faith um, virtue and knowledge and um, um, uh, self-control and uh, godliness, and steadfastness, and a whole bunch of other things, oh, yeah, and, and, and brotherly affection, and love, and, and all those nice things. Um, and if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep, you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. But just verse 10, 2 Peter 1 verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So it's telling us there to be all the more diligent to confirm our calling and election. What it's basically saying that we should be diligent uh, with a calling and election, just say salvation. We should be Diligent, friends, that we, these things are part of our lives and the quality of our lives, which confirm who we are. So we can look at those things and say the reality of those things are is that they are part of our life. And, and, and so this isn't now about examining to see if I'm born again. This is about my life, the fruit of my life, showing that I'm born again. These are qualities in my life. And then if you, you jump quickly to Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3, if you just go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. It's just a, a, a challenge there, but it, listen to verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So he's say, telling us here that we need to exhort one another every single day. We need to encourage one another every single day. Why do we gather together? Not just so you can get a bunch of information. You're not sitting there, friends, so you can listen to this more preach, and you can write down a whole bunch of scriptures, and I've got a whole bunch of more information. We're supposed to be gathering together, friends, because we've got to exhort one another. While it's still today, I exhort one another. We're, uh, in the Hebrews 10 scripture, we're not to forsake the gathering of together because it's stirring up one another to love and good deeds. How do you do that over online, friends? You can't. You do that love with one another, stirring up one another, even more as the day is approaching when Jesus is coming back. I'm stirring up my heart, friends. I'm challenging myself. I'm challenging my friends. I'm challenging my family. I'm challenging the church all the time that these virtues must be added. These qualities must be added to your faith. We've got to stir one another up because we've got to make our election, our calling sure. How do you make it sure, friends? It's not that, oh, was it ever in jeopardy? It's, it's telling you that our salvation, friends, it produces fruit, fruit of a particular kind, friends. Friends. Fruit, friends, fruit that remains, friends, fruit that comes from the fruitfulness of abiding in the vine, fruit that comes from abiding in Jesus Christ, fruit that comes from abiding in the living word, fruit that comes, friends, from the living word becoming active and real in our lives and being manifest and being made uh, 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 manifest in this world, friends. 
So I've spat and I've shouted and I've said a whole bunch of stuff simply, friends, just to encourage every single one of you. Friends, the days that we're living in now, they're dangerous times with the technology that's around us. They're dangerous times because you can hear things that are going on with WhatsApp now and all kinds of things, friends, about the control and the manipulation and the censorship, friends, where people, friends, through what we're giving our attention to, what we keep seeing, friends, through that, friends, they can begin to shape and mold the way we think and begin to shape and mold our convictions, which form us, which is why 2 Timothy 3 says, in the last days, difficult times will come. That is a promise. That is a definite. They're going to come. The reason why they're coming is because we're lovers of self. We're lovers of money. We're lovers of pleasure, friends. And it goes on to list a whole bunch of other stuff which we don't even like. It's about people that are brutal, friends. Unappeasable. Just people that have no conscience, friends. And actually, he's talking about the church. My heart's cry, friends, is that, because you know what happens? It says, then you have a form, a form, a shape. Oh, that looks like godliness. But it's not godliness, because it's got no power. Friends, and that's what I'm saying, friends. We've got to be careful. We've got to go back to the Word, allow the washing of the Word so that we know what is true, allow the truth to set us free so that when we shape them, we mold it, friends. It's not a form. It's the substance, and it's full of power, friends. This is what God is calling us to right now, friends. Our lives are not our own. We were born, 2021 was a year, friends, where you would step out of your mediocrity. You step out of your normality. There's such a word. You step out, friends, of just being convenient, of just being about yourself, and you can step into the pleasure, because at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. We have no idea of the pleasures that God has for us, friends. We think it's nice to get this little boat or get this little and have this and that or that little pleasure. Friends, it's fleeting. It's just a moment. It's garbage. There's another word I could use, but I thank the Lord. I just said garbage. Friends, the reality is there's nothing better than a life in Christ, than a life given over to Christ, than a life fulfilled by Christ. So my challenge is, friends, get off line and get online with Jesus. Begin to meditate and begin to read the word. Allow the washing of the word to establish us. Let's be people of the word. Let's be the people of God. And let's begin to see God shape and mold us back into his image with his authority and his power because he wants to launch off many more arrows into what he's called us to for such a time as this, friends. And it's going to need big money, friends. It's going to need people taking their retirement funds and giving it to the kingdom. Need people selling houses, cars, lands, Am I crazy? Well, watch and see. Like the rest of the disciples in the boat as they watched Peter walk on the water. So, shall we stand wherever you are at right now? Shall we stand here? I get very excited and passionate, but I am deeply, deeply in love with the church. And uh, every part of my heart as an apostolic father is crying out when men and women 
of God. Just keep adding their opinions and more opinions and more verbal battles in the arena that God never, ever called us to fight in, the social media arena. Out there, you can never stop people's opinions. God is not asking you to stop anybody's opinion, friends. Don't get onto social media to try and correct and stop somebody's opinion. God's asking you to stop listening. Don't add yours. Stop listening to opinions and begin to listen to the Word of God. Begin to surrender your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Begin to just be yielded and ask Him what is He asking you to do right now. God's not asking you to do anything other than what He believes you are capable of because he's equipped you for such a time as this. So Father, we just come humbly before you. We stand before you right now. I'm not going to rush this moment, even though I've taken quite a bit of time. Because this is a vital moment. I believe I was born for such a time as this, Lord. And I believe every single believer was born for such a time as this. If you're alive and you're breathing, if your heart's still beating, then you were born for such a time as this. And if you're listening to this and you were born to listen to this right now, that 2020, friends, challenged every one of our hearts. And it was a reset button in terms of reestablishing where we're at, actually. But we got so relaxed and blasé and shaped our thinking, shaped the way we act and operate, allowing culture to speak louder than the word. Where we allowed the allure of material possessions and wealth to seduce us. We've allowed our, our compromise to change Jesus into an earthly image in God and form an idol made with man's hands. When He is God and we bow yield to him and we say not my will but your will be done and we consecrate ourselves set ourselves apart allow the word to sanctify us and we say Lord we want to be used by you so we wean ourselves off the table of this world and the appetite of this world and all the gadgets and all the nice things that bring instant and quick and the, the gadgets and the things that stroke my pleasure and my ego and my flesh. I wean myself off those and I begin to consecrate and set my time and my life apart for Him. Because we put our hand up this morning, every single one of us. If you are with me and believe that, then you put your hand up this morning and you say, I want to be a voice in this time crying in the wilderness of this world 
preparing the way of the Lord. I want to be a voice that declares the gospel. I want to be a voice that displays the gospel. I want to be a voice that reveals the gospel to a dying world. I don't want anyone to go to hell. It's God's desire that none should perish, but that all should come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people just waiting you and I to get out of our comfort zone, out of our mediocrity. I'm asking you just to yield to Holy Spirit this morning. Ask Holy Spirit to help you. I'm asking this morning for you to give God his worth, for he is worthy, and to give him the time that he deserves. Friends, don't get consumed with techno. somebody out there right now you might have a fancy watch you might have COVID and your watch might be telling you that you don't have enough oxygen but Jesus is telling you this morning you have oxygen whose report will you believe your watch or will you believe the report of the Lord because he is Savior and he is Lord Don't believe the reports, friends. Don't believe the opinions. Believe the word. I pray for every single person here today, Lord God, where the enemy has tried to come and bombard and distract. And I hate using the cliched word busyness, but where there's been such busyness, which has mostly come through a phone, mostly come through a watch, mostly come through social media, such a busyness, such a distraction where it's tried to bring offense or hurt or depression or whatever it's tried to bring. It wants to take you away from your consecrated, sanctified purpose and plan. Do not let it. I plead with you this morning. Do not let it. Don't add your opinion. Go to the Word of God and get hold of God's will, God's plan, God's voice. And allow that voice to sanctify and wash over you till it becomes your voice. So that you can become the voice. Position yourself, your heart ready today. You were born for today. You were born for such a time as this. To gather as a people of God and to stir one another up for His plans, His purpose. To love and good deeds. To stir one another, encourage one another, exhort one another. While today is still today, let's exhort one another. Let's strengthen one another. Come on. Let's make 2021 a never a year that we will never forget. An unforgettable year which God broke out with such power and such might. That it was we would never be the same. People would never be the same. Signs, wonders, miracles, the presence of the Lord just tangibly changing and touching lives in Jesus' name. Father, I pray this right now of every single person. I pray right now, Lord God, that they would not 
let this word fall to the ground. I pray that every single bird that wants to steal this word right now, I pray that every single one of them falls to the ground or gets blown away by the wind of the Spirit so that I cannot rob this seed, Lord. And I pray today, Father, that you would help us for this seed to take root. I don't want shallow ground. I don't want people going, yeah, I stirred up. And then next week, life comes and the challenges of life, and we forget this word. It springs up and then the sun scorches down and it withers. Don't let this word wither, Lord. Don't let the cares of this world and life choke this word. But let it take root in good soil, Lord. And I pray right now of every single person that will bring forth a 30, 60, and a hundredfold. I pray for a hundredfold return, Lord God, that you are commissioning thousands of missionaries and ministers of the kingdom of God today that through this word they're putting up their hands thousands putting up their hands saying yes Lord yes Lord it's me send me here am I send me Lord here am I send us Lord take our hearts take our life take that which we have in our hands we give it to you and we say use us Lord use us Lord for your kingdom we pray in the precious and mighty name of Jesus in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit burn that into your life. Let the Holy Spirit seal that over your heart this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Never the same. In Jesus' name. Never the same. In Jesus' name. Never the same. In Jesus' name. Never the same, Lord. In Jesus' name. Never the same. In Jesus' name. You're worth it, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy, Jesus. You alone are worthy, God. Everything that is mine is yours, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.